attending Bible studies weekly here at Cornerstone has just allowed me to grow in my faith and um, just be surrounded by other sisters in Christ. And just being able to share that with women and to share that with uh, people who are non-judgmental and just took me for who I am. It was through worship at Cornerstone that I learned about the love of Christ and it was through worship at Cornerstone that I learned how to love as a Christian. I am seeing real life examples of my small group growing and I know that you can also grow by joining a small group. The reason I serve the way I do and the um, amount I do is because I believe that you will become what you surround yourself by and, and surrounding myself by Cornerstone is, is, has made a difference in my life. We're able to grow as a group, casual, come as you are. Our family serves in different ministries all around the church, all working together as a family with one common goal, to help other people hear the Lord knocking. Hey, good morning. It's good to be back in the room. Yeah, thank you all three of you that are happy. Yeah, thank you. No, it is. It's fun to be back, and I'm, gl I'm glad to be here uh, today. If you uh, were here last week, you know that we're back having a conversation um, that we're calling Three to Be. And for those of you that have been around a while, you go, Lynn, wait, 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 we had this conversation a year ago, and now we're coming back and talking about it. But here, here's what you need to get. We're trying to set a culture. We're trying to set a direction uh, for our church, and our absolute passion is this, that Cornerstone not just be a place where people come and find Jesus, but that Cornerstone be a place where people come to be like Jesus, and that you and I be dead on serious about this idea of growing up in our Christian faith. We just think it'd be a cool day if when you went to talk to somebody in the East Valley and you mentioned the name Cornerstone, that people would respond and say, oh, that's that church where everybody who goes there looks like a little Jesus walking around. And we'd go, no, that's a good day. So that's part of what we're doing. And part of just kind of setting us on this course is this conversation of three to be. And so we've said, look, if you, when you're in, I mean, when it starts to make sense and you say, I'm here and I get it and I'm going, then we've said that first step of being in, of being cornerstone, has three elements to it, three to be. That every single person who says, I'm here and count on me, uh, that there's three things that are true of their life. One is that they're willing to worship an hour, that they're willing to grow an hour, that they're willing to serve an hour every single week. Now, here's the deal. That is not a destination. That's a beginning. Because as you grow in Christ and as this thing starts to really take root in your life, you're going to find out that worshiping an hour is not enough for your heart. And you're going to find that growing an hour doesn't get you far enough. And you're going to find that serving an hour isn't enough for you. But it's a beginning place. It's when you say, hey, I'm here, I get, I'm going, and this is where I pick up my mantle and start running uh, forward. Worship an hour, grow an hour, serve an hour. Last week was worship. This week we're coming back to the idea of growing. Now, here's the thing. We've talked about this before, and so I'm just going to take for granted that everyone in this room would say, look, I, I understand, Lynn. I, I know I ought to grow, so I'm not going to spend today trying to convince you that you ought to be growing in your Christian life. Hopefully, all of us have already bought into that. All of us believe that. But what we're going to talk about today is this idea that says, I'm not truly growing, I'm not really moving forward in my Christian life until I begin to apply God's Word to my life. That application makes all the difference in the world. This, the question of spiritual growth is not how much Bible I know, it's how much Bible do I live in my life. Application makes all the difference in the world. Let, let me see if I can help that. Let, let's say you're talking to a friend and your friend says to you, look, I have figured this dieting thing out. Matter of fact, for, for the last 12 months, I have just immersed myself in diet knowledge. And you go, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. 12 months, yeah, 12 months. You go, haven't you gained like 65 pounds in the last 12 months? And they go, yeah, 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 but I've been studying. See, I've been reading every Weight Watchers book out there. I can tell you every Weight Watchers principle. Matter of fact, tomorrow I've got an interview. I'm going to become a Weight Watchers counselor. And you go, oh, 65 pounds, dude. And here will be the next words out of your mouth application 
makes all the difference in the world. See, this isn't about what you know about dieting. It's what you apply about dieting that changes. Ladies, you're sitting in your living room, and, and you happen to notice a little furry rodent going running across the living room floor. Over the next day or two, you happen to realize uh, we got something. You, you see little dashes out of the corner of your eye. You open up underneath the bottom of the sink, and there's little, little gifts left by the rodents for you. And so you say to your husband, look, uh, we, we need to get on top of this before it gets too bad. And so sure enough, he heads over to, to Home Depot. He does the mail thing. He buys like super duper rodent trap exterminator plus. And, 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 and all the sticky strips and all the, all the, tr- the poisons. I mean, just stocks. I mean, just comes home with huge bags full of rodent terminex. A couple days later, uh, you're laying on the couch, and you feel something a little strange. And uh, you uh, don't think anything, but then all of a sudden, and, and you get up, and you pull the cushion back. There is a nest of mice there rubbing against you in the couch. And you begin to realize, not only do we have rodents, they are breeding. And, and we're, we're on the verge of an infestation in our home. And so you go to your husband, and you go, hey, what, what? Where are the traps? Where, where, where's all the sticky strips? Where's the poison? I mean, I'm, I'm finding mice in my couch. And he goes, oh, I haven't gotten around to putting them out yet. The next words out of your mouth are, you ready? Application means everything. And you're going to go apply right now. That same principle holds true to the Word of God. See, here's, here, here's what happens. Very, very, very often within Christian culture, we, we've gotten into this mindset that says, if I go to church and hear a good sermon, I grew. See, if, if I go and if I sing the song, and if in the midst of singing the song I meant it, I grew. See, if I go, if I go and, and I feel convicted, and I walk out of church going, mm, I'm a crud. Then I grew. And here's what you got to get. Nothing, 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 nothing could be further from the truth. Because when it comes to growing, when it comes to the Word of God, application, allowing this to seep in and change me, not just knowing it, not just feeling bad about it, not just letting it apply to me, is everything. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles because we're going to have this discussion uh, today. And hopefully it changes us. So here we go. It's the book of James. Uh, If you're not really, really familiar, uh, the book of James is almost at the back of your Bible. James chapter 1. And again, I mean, just you might as well go to the back and work to the left just a little bit. Small book, about five chapters. James chapter 1. And James is talking about this very idea of how critical it is when it comes to the Word of God that application is everything. It's not how much I know about Jesus, it's how much Jesus I know. Here we go. James chapter 1, starting in verse 22, here's what uh, James says. We're just going to kind of pick this passage apart. Here we go. James 1, verse 22, do not merely listen to the Word And so, deceive yourselves. See, here's the deal. We get done in church and we go, man, 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 that that was a a great sermon. And we go, why was it great? Because I feel like crud. And James says, no, 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 look, look, look. If you think the Word of God and going to church is just all about feeling bad or... Because here's the Feeling bad doesn't change anything. And it's only a great sermon. It's only, it's only when it changes you, when, when you begin to take what you've said in the conversation and you apply it to your life, because at the end of the day, application is everything. You know, the truth is, church is filled with, with two types of Christians who, who are really, 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 really busy listening but not applying to their lives. What? One of the types of Christians uh, I call, I've got enough Jesus Christian. See, the, these, these Christians are the type that go, look, I, I'm going gonna, 
I, I'm going to let Jesus in, and, I, and I'm going I'm to grow up in Jesus, and I'm going to, but, but there, I, I can only handle so much at once. I, I can only let so much Jesus, because if I let Jesus just come into my life, I mean, if I just, he would change me. And, and I've got to monitor this. And, and so, and so I, 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 there's just so much Jesus that I, I, I can handle right now. Because here, look, 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 here's the deal. If you knew who I was just a few months ago, if you, if you knew where I started, I mean, this would, this would be impressive for you. And, but, but man, there, there's, just, there's just some stuff. How, how do you know if you're a I've got enough Jesus Christian? It's actually pretty simple. You've got areas of your life that you know you're living in disobedience. See, you, there's, there's information, there's conversations you've had, there's, there's exposure, and, and you just said, look, look, I'm going to pass on that one. that one. That one's too uncomfortable. That one would be too restrictive in my life. I, but there's other passages that you're going, oh, okay, I, I, I could let Jesus seep in there a little bit. I, I could let Jesus maybe change that part of me. But truth be told, there are all sorts of issues that you're holding Jesus at arm length and saying, I don't want to apply you there yet. So you'd say, look, 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 I, I get it. I get, that, I get that I probably shouldn't be gossiping. But, but you're telling me that my boyfriend and I have got to wait till marriage? I, I, I just, I'm just not ready for that conversation yet. I could lose him over that conversation. So you, see, you, you say, look, look, I, I get it. I, I get that I got an anger issue. And I, I mean, I'm working on that. I'm trying to let Jesus fix my anger issue. I really, really am. I, I'm just not willing to deal with my porn. I've got enough Jesus. Christians. And here, here's what I figure out application. Obedience to what it makes all the difference. Because here, here's, here's the answer at the end of the day. If this Christian was really applying what they already know they should be doing, they'd be much bigger already. They'd be much stronger already. They'd be a lot further in their walk with Jesus already. But they've got enough Jesus for now. And here's the deception. Here's the deception that's going on in their heart. Here's what they're saying. I'm doing all right. So apparently I'm a strong enough Christian where I am for where I need to be right now. Because look, here's the deal. My marriage is okay. I, my job's doing all right. And, and so apparently this is all the Jesus I really have to have right now because my life is okay. So apparently strong enough, strong enough right now is strong enough. Most of us live in Arizona. Imagine if I went out and planted a tree like this in the beginning of June. What does everyone in this room know is going to start happening somewhere toward the end of July, beginning of August? Haboob, right? Hey, when did it become haboob? When did it stop being a sandstorm? And, and, and monsoon season's going to come. And so who cares that on the day that I planted this tree, this tree was strong enough on that day? See, this is the deception. I'm okay right now. My family's all right. My business is everything's doing. Who cares that you're strong enough today? Because what, here's what I can promise you. Haboob is coming. There's, there's going to be a moment that's not going to feel it. The storm is coming. And this is what that tree looks like. On that day, <laughs> where, 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 you know where this ends up, right? I wish I could tell you how many Christians have come into the church and just said, look, 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 I don't want that much Jesus. I, I know, I know, I know I've got areas of my life I'm just living in absolute disobedience. I just, I, look, I'm, I'm okay. And I don't want that much Jesus on me. And apparently because my life is all right in this moment, and right, apparently strong enough for today is strong enough. 
And I'm just going to tell you that if you're a Christian here today who is picking and choosing which parts of the Bible you're going to apply and which parts of the Bible are too hard for you, and you'll break. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And chances are you'll walk away. And you'll say, that Christian thing didn't work, and, 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 and the Bible's just not strong enough. No. You and I just didn't apply enough. There, there's a second type of Christian. I, I, I call them the looking good Christian. Chances are the, the, these, these Christians have been around the church for a long time. Because here's the deal. They, they've figured out how to look like they're mature even when they're not. Chances are they can quote a ton of Bible to you. And I mean, every time you go to me, you go, hey, uh, what do you want to order for lunch? Uh, I don't know. Jesus broke the bread and the fishes. And I, what? what? Hey, I was thinking about getting a haircut. Could we pray about that? What? And, and they just have figured out how to look really, really spiritual at all of the appropriate spiritual time. But, but truth be known, it's a veneer. Truth be known, that's how they are at church, and that's how they are when they're at Bible study, and that's how they are around their Christian friends. It's not how they are when they're hanging out with their unsaved friends. People at work aren't seeing, let's pray about that. Because truth be told, there's just a little Jesus on the top. There's no application to who they are. You, you get this as, this is just a, a veneered board. It's, it, it's got, it's got, you know, a, a little almost paper-thin skin that looks like wood. It's a film, and then underneath it's just press board. I, I, for years I had this office, and you'd walk in, and it looked like cherry wood. People would come in and go, dude, we're paying you too much. <laughs> Crazy part was, if you just even brushed up against my desk, it'd just peel off. I spent all my time with this little red pen. <laughs> See, some of us are doing that spiritually. Because we, we just know deep down in, Jesus, Jesus hasn't soaked in yet. We just know how to come to church, you know, and you're getting ready to park, and the parking attendant makes you mad, and you've learned not to flip him off. <laughs> so you're going, you dirty piece of blankety blank blank. God bless you. You're getting out of the car, and the, you haven't opened the doors yet, so no one can hear you, and you're going... <laughs> at the kids, and then the car door opens, come on, praise Jesus, and they walk into church. See, here's what's, you, you just learned how to behave spiritually. You, you may even have a ton of, ready for this, a ton of Bible knowledge. You're the person who can sit in every small group and go, I, I know that answer. But Jesus is never soaked in. And here's how you know. You know because, truth be told, you're living a double life. Who you are at church is not who people are seeing at work. Who you are at Bible study is not what you're like with your family when you're mad. Because you're veneered. And here's what you just need to know, guys. You can pretend, 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 pretend this. And then somewhere the conflict. Somewhere, somewhere the doctor says, your kid has cancer. Somewhere it's your job that gets eliminated. And the veneer will be exposed, and you, you'll be acting just as ugly, just as hateful, just as hurtful. See, it says that this is what every person who doesn't know Jesus yet stumbles over are all the Christians who pretend that Jesus has changed them because they can quote a lot of verses. Years ago, I used to, you guys know I used to be a youth pastor, and I remember one day specifically I was at a church where part of the children's program was to ask the children to earn, learn thousands of verses. And so I'm, I'm in a building that I don't normally go into, but I'm getting ready because we're going to hold a youth event in there. And I happen to walk over the side wall. There's this plaque up there. 
It's an award. It's an award every year for the kid in the church who learned the most verses that year, and it listed every kid's name. You want to hear something interesting? I looked at the last four years of the kids who learned more verses than any other kid in the whole church. They were in my youth group. Anybody want to guess who the worst kids in my youth group were? The kids up on the award wall. Because, 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 you ready for this? Knowing your Bible doesn't make you mature. Applying your Bible does. And there, there's got to be Jesus in you that gets below the surface. That who you are with your friends who don't know Jesus is exactly who you are at church. Because it's who God has seeped in to make you. And it's been applied to your life. It's not who you're pretending to be. That's what James is saying. saying look, 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 look. Don't just listen to the word and throw the pieces out you don't like or pretend you're applying. Then he goes on. You ready? Back to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 22. Let's start at the very beginning. Here's what he says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive, not other, deceive yourselves. You're the one. You're the one that thinks you're mature. Everybody else knows you're not. Here he goes. Here's his answer. You ready? Do what it says. Just do it. Just do what you know you ought to be doing. You thought Nike came up with that. It was James. Just do it, he says. Do what you know you ought to be doing. Let that part of Jesus seep down into that part of your life. Apply it. Live it. Let it change you. No no more holding God off. No more pretending to be something you're not. Let it in. Do what it says, and anyone who listens to the Word of God but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And here James says, look, 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 the whole intent, the whole purpose of the Word of God is to be a mirror for you. It's to expose to you what you need to do next. Not what you need to know next, what you need to live next. Because application is everything. A couple years ago, I got up in the morning and uh, walked in the bathroom, looked in the mirror, and it was bad. It was, you ever had one of those mornings where you go, I don't know what happened during the night, but I was the victim. I mean, it's just, woo, nah. And I don't, I don't know what happened after that exposure to the mirror. I, I can't remember if I got a phone call. I don't remember if I remembered an appointment. All I know is this. Somewhere, I walked away from the mirror, did absolutely nothing, put on my clothes, walked out of my house, and went to work. A little bit later, I went and did a quick Circle K run. I'm standing in Circle K, and the Circle K lady is staring at me. Now, here's what I'm thinking. The Circle K lady's checking me out. So, sure enough, I, I actually moved over a couple aisles, and I acted like I, and I looked back and... She's still looking at me. I'm like, wow. You know, it feels a little bit like Chevy Chase in, in vacation, you know, when Christy Brinkley's, you know. So I, I get up to the counter. She's still looking. I, I get back to the office, and I go in. I go, it was, it was weird. I'm at Circle K, and the Circle K lady was checking me out. Kind of a vibe going on. One of the guys in my office goes, dude. Go look in the mirror. Ah! My hair, I hadn't shaved, I hadn't done nothing the whole day. <laughs> she wasn't checking me out, she was laughing. <laughs> Scripture says, whoa, 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 you ready for this? When you and I look into the mirror of God's word and don't do what it says, don't, don't, don't comb our spiritual hair, don't Don't shave our spiritual beard. It's just like going into life unkempt. You know what we do spiritually with the mirror of God? We we go, whoop, almost saw myself. 
<laughs> oh, man, did I, ooh, did I dodge that bullet in Bible study? Man, the preacher was preaching on, and that totally applied to me, but I just put my head down and took notes, and it was good, yeah. Would you ever do that with your mirror and go, look, as long as I don't see it in the mirror, it ain't there. Or, you know what, not, not only do we try to dodge the issues biblically that are going on in our lives, the other is we argue with the mirror. We argue with the mirror. We, we go, are you trying to tell me I've got a zit in the middle of my forehead the size of Mount Everest? I don't think so. I, I think objects in the mirror are larger than they appear. How many times have you and I sat down with God's Word and go, no, no, come on, God, that doesn't apply anymore. Are you, what? No, 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 no. What were you thinking when you were arguing with the mirror? Ignoring the mirror. And at the end of the day, isn't that just dumb? Because as long as you and I ignore the mirror and as long as you and I argue with the mirror, we will never be able to apply what the mirror just revealed. Do, the, do this, do this, okay? You think this is good? Here. Tomorrow, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, ignore the mirror, okay? I'm just going to, how many of you would be willing to do this, okay? It's an experiment. I'm being serious. Tomorrow morning, you go in your bathroom, you can look in the mirror all you want. You just have to ignore what you see, which means don't comb your hair, don't shave, no makeup, Okay? No plucking any nose. Nothing. Nothing. Put on your clothes and just go. How many are willing to do that for me? One day experiment. Okay, I got one, two. I got three, four, five. You know why I got five? Because they didn't look in the mirror today anyways. <laughs> you know what the rest, are, the rest are going, that's dumb. That's the stupidest thing you've ever asked us to do, Lynn. How, ready, come on, how dumb is it for the children of God to look in the mirror of the Word and ignore and argue? And, and doesn't it at some level, doesn't it at some level really, really reveal about us that you and I are much more concerned about our physical appearance than what's happening in our lives spiritually? Because, 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 Ready? Because application makes all the difference. Don't argue with the mirror. Don't ignore the mirror. Apply the mirror. The next thing James says is brilliant, because here's the deal. He gets why this is hard. He gets it. He, he gets why, as you and I have this conversation, some of us are sitting there right now going, dude, no, 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 no. I can't. I can't. So go back in the passage with me. James chapter 1, verse 22. We'll start all over again. Here we go. James chapter 1, starting in verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And here we go, verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, here's the deal. Here's why you and I freak out. Here's why you and I find ourselves going, no, 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 I got enough Jesus. I just, I got to monitor how much Jesus comes like. Why we find ourselves pretending like we've matured something that's never happened in our hearts. Because we're scared to death. We're pretty sure if we actually got serious about applying God's Word to our lives, that it would be unbelievably restrictive and limiting to our futures. Let's just be honest. See, we go, no, 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 God, I know what you say about dating, but you can't, you can't do that in today's culture. Do you realize, if I dated only Christians, do you realize how limiting that would be? And not only do you want me not to just date Christians, you want me to date Christians who love you and are obedient to me. Jesus, there's only two of them left and they're dating each other. (laughs) 
See, you, 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 you and I go, whoa, 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 wait, wait. You, you want me to dress with modesty? I, I don't, is there even a store that sells those clothes? So you say, you say whoa, wait, God, here, here's the deal. You, you, you want me to, to actually forgive that person who hurt me. God, you just don't get it. That, that's the one thing I've got over their head. That's my one chip in the game. That's my one leverage in the relationship. And you want me to forgive. And here's, the, here's what gets us. We believe that if we were to actually apply God's word to our lives, it would actually decrease us. It would limit us that some of the advantages and things and freedoms that we have in our life right now, we would lose them if we became seriously devoted followers of Jesus and began to apply this stuff to our life. Isn't that true? Isn't the thing that scares us that we think that following Jesus is limiting? And look what James said. He says, when you look into God's Word and when you get serious about this, you find freedom. He says, I know it doesn't feel that way. I, I, know, I know on first glance you're, you're looking at a whole bunch of things that you're not supposed to do anymore or a whole bunch of things that you're doing that you're supposed to stop or start. Or, I, I get it. I get it. And I get a lot of this discussion is against the culture. and it's, I get it. It's not what your friends are doing. But what on first appearance seems so limiting will actually bring you freedom that people who don't apply the Word of God to their lives will never, ever experience. I got a friend, and he was having uh, this discussion. He, he talked about growing up in church, and he happened as a young boy to attend a church where they told him, you're supposed to tithe. It's biblical. They showed him the verse that you're supposed to tithe. Beyond that, in his church he was growing up in, they took him to the book of Proverbs where it talks about saving part of what you earn. And so in his church, it was, just, it was just the conversation they had from the time he was a little boy that said, look, you tithe 10% to God, you save 10%, you learn to live on the other 80%. Now, here, here's what my friend said. He said, look, when I was a little kid, this wasn't that hard. You know, you're a little kid and you do a little chore, you get your allowance and you get a buck and you, you dropped a dime in the offering plate in Sunday school and, and then you put a dime in the piggy bank and it was Okay. He said, then I got to high school. And, and this just began to start looking really dumb. I, I'm sitting here trying to put gas in my car. I'm trying to put insurance on my car. I'm trying to take girls out for... He said, this is, I, I could imagine a hundred other things to do with that 20%. Matter of fact, I was pretty convinced I needed the other 20%. But he said, you know what? I, I, I had just been taught so clearly from the time I was a child that this is what you do, that even in high school, even under that pressure... I just did it, and so I continued. I gave 10% to God, I did 10% in savings, and then I just found a way to live on the other 80%. He said, but college, 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 you got lab fees, and, 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 you've, and you've got all sorts of books to buy, and then you got an apartment to stay. And he said, Lynn, it, call me. You talk about testing. You talk about a time when that, that 10, 10, 80 just looked so restricting in my life. He said, I, I, I almost threw the towel in in college. But he said, I, I made a decision, and through college, that's what I did. He said, here's where it paid off. I got married. I got married. And he said, I watched other young couples who weren't following the biblical principles in their lives. And, and suddenly, in order to afford the apartment they wanted and do the, they were spending 100% of what they had. And now the air conditioner goes out. And, and, and now the car needs repair. And he said, you know, Lynn, I, I'm just going to tell you, I, 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 I would tell you that because I was tithing, I honestly believe, I honestly believe, I didn't need car repairs as often as my friends. That, that God honored me and my air conditioner lasted longer than it should. But he said, Lynn, look, even, if, even, even beyond that, because I had learned to save 10%, in those moments when I had the repair, when I had the broken thing, when I had to do something, I had a reservoir. I had a place to go. And he said, it wasn't fun, but at least I had a place to go. All my friends, they're calling relatives. They're bumming money off their friends. They're charging up charge cards at 21 and 22 and 23%. And he said, Lynn, you, you want the number one fight in all of my newlywed friends was about money. money. And he said, Lynn, here's, here's the deal. 
I began to realize that the very thing I'd grown up as a young man thinking was limiting my life brought freedom to my marriage and freedom in my relationship. The very thing I thought was constricting freed me. I'm 15 years old and I'm sitting in youth group and my youth pastor's up front and he's talking about how the Bible says you're supposed to wait till you're married to have sex. Anybody, anybody in here ever been a 15-year-old male? Okay, there's a couple of us. How smart does that advice sound when all your friends aren't? And, and your hormones are going crazy. And I'm just going to tell you, I, I sat there and I went, dude, 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 I'm 15. Do you realize how long it's going to be before I get married? It could be like 100 years. And then, and then do married people still have sex? And I, I'll just tell you that as a young teenage, young man, I made a commitment. I said, God, I, I, don't, I don't get that. I mean, this just, this just looks so narrow, and none of my friends are living this way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply it. I, I'm going to obey it. It looks constricting. I, I wish I could tell you that I, had been, I was perfect all through my dating life. I, I wasn't. I I had a, some moments where in my relationship, we flirted around the edge. We didn't... We didn't you know, we flirted around the edge. Can I tell you that in the quiet moments of my life, some of the deepest regrets I have are those moments I messed around on the edge and that I now realize God was trying to free me from that. But can I tell you that in the midst of it, because I, because I did obey most of it, that one of the greatest joys of my life, one of the greatest freedoms of my life is knowing there's not seven little girls out there having a hard time with their husbands because I messed their hearts up and went places and did things and made bonds with them that should have never been made. I'm just going to tell you, i got a freedom. And I thank God every day. And I'm just going to tell you that my honeymoon was pretty darn good. <laughs> I found a freedom when I thought it was constricting. Hey guys, we're, we're going to do a Mary series. In a couple of weeks, we're going to do a Mary series. Here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. People are going to come in and they're going to hear what God says about marriage and their first pass is going to be, oh, that's so constricting. Are you if I did that with my husband, he would take so much advantage. If I began to treat my wife that way, there'd be no end. And what will originally appear to be constricting is the very thing that if they, ready, if they would apply it to their marriage, would bring freedom to their home. See, James knew exactly what was terrifying us. But here's the cool part. Here's the cool part. He says, and if you do this, you're going to be blessed. So here's what we do. Imagine a huge tree. Imagine just an amazingly big tree. Okay? Because here's what the tree did. The tree took every single thing that God said to do and applied it. Didn't argue with it. Didn't, didn't avoid it. Didn't, didn't ignore it. Just applied it. And so all of a sudden now it's vibrant and mature and huge. You get that the same storm that broke this Christian, that tree doesn't realize the wind's blowing. You, you realize that there's the same abrasion, the same scarring that happened. That tree doesn't even notice because it applied the Word of God. It's real. Now, here's the deal. I, I, know, I know we're at different stages. Here, here's what's going on in the room, I guarantee you. I guarantee you we've got some of us in the room who already are involved in small groups, small churches. You're going all sorts of places like that. My question is, are you applying what you're learning? Are you learning? Are you applying it? And we're going to issue a challenge in just a few minutes that says, look, what if for six weeks... Whatever you learn in your small group, whatever you learn in your small church, whatever you learn in the mind, whatever you learn in your men's group or women's group, whatever you learn that you just simply said, God, whatever you teach me for six weeks, I'm just going to apply it to my life. I'm going to obey it. Hands down. I'm just going to obey it and receive it. Would that change you, wouldn't it? It's a little scary, isn't it? 
There's some of us in the room, you haven't gotten anyone in the group. The truth is, you don't even have enough information coming in. You're not even being challenged in your life because you've, you've held Jesus at bay, and, and you need to get into a small church, a small group, and you need to just start getting, letting God challenge you a little bit more. So here's what I'm going to do. For the next, like, three or four minutes together, five minutes, we're going to do an infomercial. I want you to know what's available for you here at Cornerstone to help you mature and grow up, and then I'm going to challenge you for six weeks to do something about it. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. We got uh, Brad Wiggers is going to come out, talk to us a little bit about what's going on for maturity here at Cornerstone and what you can get yourself involved in. Let's go ahead and we'll, we'll clap for him. Nobody likes him, but we'll clap for him. All right, Brad, so here's the deal. I, tons of people out there don't know who you are, which is probably a good, no, I mean, an unfortunate thing. And, uh, but here's the deal. Uh, you actually have a regular job. You, you, you're, you're, you work for a living. And then on top of that, you're volunteering like 20 and 30 hours a week here at Cornerstone, for the purpose of helping us mature. Why? Well, because it really, I mean, it just boils down to one thing, that tree. You know, um, we just need strong trees. We need big roots. We need, we need folks that are, that are grounded, that when the winds of life come, it doesn't end up like that. Okay. So here's the deal. Here's the conversation we've been having all day long, and we've been saying, look, it's not just what you know, it's what you apply. So in our maturity thing that we offer here, where would be a good place to send somebody off and say, look, if you go to this room, if you go to this place, you're not only going to get good Bible, but you're going to get good application opportunities. Where would, they, where would you send someone for that? Well, right off, a, a great place to start is small groups. Uh, get in a group that has, you know, three, six, eight other people or couples and where you can share life together. And, you know, it, these things don't have to be real scary either. I mean, we're not just like coming in there and spill your guts the first day. It's coming in. That's the second day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, it's get get to know folks in a community setting. These are people, my wife and I have been in one. You know, these are the people that I'm going to go to first when tough stuff happens. Here's what I like about small groups. You're learning Bible, but you're doing it in the context of other Christians who are trying to apply it too. Well, yeah, we're sitting there. Most of them, there's great video t- series or great teachers. So you're getting the word, but then you also have that applying part that says, hey, we're challenging one another in our group to make some changes. These are some things to make us grow. All right, so here's, here's what I think is interesting around here is that there are lots and lots and lots of churches in America right now that have thrown out everything else for maturity, and all they do is small groups. Cornerstone has chosen not to do that. We've said, look, we're going to do small groups, and we hope we do small groups really well, but we're going to offer more than just small groups to our people to mature up. Why have we chosen to do that? Why are we offering more than just small groups? Well, one of the things that I just love about God is that He is so into variety. I mean, he, he, you, we have all kinds of flowers and plants and animals and trees. I mean, the whole universe is variety. And, and I, I don't see where he gives us any like, okay, this is how you run the church, boom, 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 boom. He gives us variety to, to go for it. So, so with that, I think, you know, small groups meet some people, but man, small churches may be where it is for someone else, men's, women's. I mean, they, see, I think, I think that's the crucial part is, 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 is the idea that says, look, some people are going to love small groups. Some people wouldn't go to a small group to save their lives. Remember, sometimes he was, you know, he was teaching people on the hillside. The next thing you know, he had three guys going to have a prayer meeting. The next thing you know, he had 12 together here. The next thing you know, they're in someone's house having dinner. So maturity comes yeah. in different shapes, different sizes. We're going to give everybody a chance. Okay, I, that makes, I love that. All right, so here, here's the deal. Um, let's, say, let's say I'm a gal out there. Why would I consider going and doing the women's ministry maybe instead of some other th- opportunity? Why would I choose women's maybe? Well, because maybe your stage has the fit that's there. There's a niche for you. And I mean, maybe you're a working woman. You got a lot of things on, on the plate. You're balancing li- life with your kids, your husband, and the whole deal. And there's something that meets those needs. There's something that takes the Word of God and says, hey, this is how you distribute it out in your life and apply it with that. Maybe you're going through a, you know, a divorce or financial things or something right now. Your Plan husband's, your husband's you. not coming to church with you right now. Exactly. Maybe yeah. you're a work, you're a stay-at-home mom, and so you need a place during the day. You can bring the kids. There's free babysitting, and you can grow with other women. Okay. So now let's put the shoe on the other foot. I'm a guy. I'm not. You know, I I don't have some of those same concerns. Why would I go to a men's group or to a men's ministry? Why well, I'm going to do that? 
Well, it, it kind of is the same thing, only it's for men. You know, there's some things that men, we need to talk about. I got guys that I need to talk about that I, it just doesn't work out in small group. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's not See, there's, the appropriate There's some things place. that I don't, I'm not going to open that box in front of a bunch of women. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and that's why, yeah. that's, why, that's why we have man church. I mean, that's a great place to get started. And from there, you can just flow how deep you want to go. I mean, mm. it's just there for you to, to get God's word and and. You know and I know that men are the key to, to making our families go. You get men that are just, that God's word is important to them, and they're going to apply it to what's happening at home. Yeah, it's true. where it works. All right. So uh, in the midst of this, we've got women's ministry. Wait, wait, wait. I got a question for you. Okay. I saw all that kung fu stuff going on out there with your little video. You're the mind guy, right? Actually, uh, Tell Chuck, me about the mind. Chuck okay? Norris is teaching the mind this oh, year. Good. And... Uh, <laughs> No, we are. We're, we're in this room. Uh, we're just doing a Bible study that's verse by verse. I mean, it, it, the best I can explain it, I think we're doing Bible college to almost seminary level Bible study in this room every Tuesday night. And for someone who just says, look, I just want to go deep, and I just want to, I want to know that passage, and I, and I no frills, but let's just dig in. The mind's going to fit that person uh, here, and so we're doing that together. You know, I've never been to it, and sorry, you know, but I met a guy that writes for NBC Sports that comes to our church. He, his entry level to our church was in the mind. He mm. said, I've never gone to anything where someone could explain what God's Word meant like that. He comes every week. He buys every book out of the bookstore. He's just growing like mm. crazy. Okay, so, so last uh, but not least, on the other side of that wall, all Sunday long, we do a thing called small church. I know there's some people in the room that are going, okay, all that is is old-fashioned Sunday school warmed over. Help us understand why that's a great choice and why it's not just old-fashioned Sunday school going on behind those walls. Well, excuse me, but I need props. I mean, you do your little prop thing. I need my own, okay? Here we go. Mine are professionally done, not bone. I don't get them at Home Depot. And... Uh, <laughs> Here's what we got going on. We're just going to like, like take it to a new level here with small churches, and, and there's going to be something for you. We're, as you know, we're going to do a marriage series coming up. So if you want to just grow deeper in your marriage, get to know some community folks, we've got three things for you. One is sacred marriage, first thing on, on Sunday morning. This one is really designed for people with families with kids and how to work your marriage within that. Then uh, we have an Andy Stanley one and another one happening here later in the day. So marriage, we got you covered. If, if you are uh, a young married person or just have been married less than five years, this is the best kept secret here at Cornerstone. I'm telling you, that group is like growing like crazy and they are doing so much fun stuff. Small groups are developing in there. Friendships that are going to last a lifetime. Mm. Great thing to go to. Sling, if you want to go deeper and learn something about the life of David, this is going to be great. And the topics, I've seen them, are just so applicable, talking about applying to life. You're going to, you're going to learn something, and you're going to be really encouraged to do it in your life. Um, Impact Singles is growing like crazy at, at 1030. Mm. I mean, we've just like been... been we're, we're just growing. I mean, people are coming. I've been teaching some things this summer that have been just fun, and we got lots of activities going on. But the, the thing that I'm really looking forward to, well, what did Jesus do is important too because we've seen all the, you know, what would he do, but let's find out what he really did do and learn some stuff from that. But this new thing we're doing at 1155, which is mean you'd have to switch services, is called track. And what we're going to do is a walk through the Bible, and it's not going to be normal. There's going to be no chairs. We're going to move around, and you can bring your kids. If you have elementary kids at second, third grade or up that, that you want them to get a good framework of the Old Testament, this is where to come. We're going to turn room 103 into Palestine and Egypt. We're going to have pyramids, arks. The, and and yeah. here's the thing, they're building it themselves. You're going to get yeah. like noodles oh, yeah. they, and They're going to be like family and... projects. The great thing about it, the first time I did this, it was so cool because sometimes families haven't even done a project together. You know, and dad's like, who's taking charge here? Is it mom? Is it me? And the, usually the kids take over. But, you know, they make something. They'll make the Garden of Eden or whatever. They're going to bring it in. We're going to see all that going on. And then we're going to walk. And we're going to memorize fast, fast, fast all the way through. When they're done, your third-year-old kid's going to be just as good as grandma that's there. They're going to be able to say, hey, this is the basis for the Old Testament. Hmm. See, I, I, when I start hearing this stuff, I get excited. Because it says to me, we're serious about growing up here at Cornerstone. So here, here's the deal. Here's, here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the final shoe down on the conversation today. What if? What if you and I made a six-week commitment together to get serious about growing? 
and here's what I think it looks like. I think there are some of us in the room who say, Lynn, I'm already part of a small group. I already go to a small church. I'm already in the… That's good. For six weeks, whatever God speaks, whatever Scripture lays out, what if you and I said, I'll apply that to my life? I will, I will simply obey whatever God reveals to me for the next six weeks. You'd grow, wouldn't you? You'd grow. You'd be a little scared, but you'd grow. And then there are some of us in this room that say, look, I, all I'm doing right now is sitting in the purple chair. The truth is, I haven't gotten myself exposed to this other stuff. I don't, I don't have enough information coming in in the first place to even feel that deeply challenged. So what if for you, for the next six weeks, you said, okay, I'm going to join a small group. I'm going to go to a, whatever that is, whatever works for you, whichever part of the combination. I'm going to go to the mine. I'm going to do it for six weeks, and then you can opt out. But I'm simply going to put myself in a position where I'm hearing more of the Word of God and have the chance to maybe apply more of the Word of God in my life. And, and on the patio, there are all those ministry booths. They've got this information for you. And you can sign up today. You can sign up today. And right. these things will always be in the, out there for you to see. Here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm going to ask us to stand together. I'm going to ask us to pray and that God would take us on a journey for six weeks to being more like Him, to growing in a remarkable way around this place, okay? So let's just do that. So I, I'm just going to ask you quietly. I'm not going to do hands. I'm just going to ask you, six weeks from now, how much further are you going to be? Are you going to join us in trying to take some huge steps forward in our growth in Christ? Are you going to apply this stuff? Or are we going to walk out of here today the same? Dear Lord Jesus, we just simply come to you. And God, I'm just praying for every I've got enough Jesus Christian in the room. Who's, who's been selective in their obedience and has said, I, I already know what I need to be doing. I just choose not to. I just don't want that much Jesus in me. And God, maybe they're already going to a Bible study and maybe they're already in the mind, but God, for six weeks, that they would just simply say, whatever God speaks to me, I'll apply. I'll obey. Because it's, it's not how much Bible I know, it's how much Bible I live. And I simply choose to take the challenge. Six weeks, six weeks of just unapologetically, unreservedly applying God's Word to my life. God, I pray in this room for Christians who, the truth is, the reason they're not where they need to be is that they're starving themselves spiritually. They're, they haven't even placed themselves in the room yet. They haven't even gone to the Bible study. They haven't joined the small group or headed over to the women's or the men's ministry. And they know they should. They know they should. They, they know they're, they're growing too slowly. And that God, they would just say, look, for six weeks, I'm, I'm just going to get into the Word of God. I'm going to dive in there. I'm going to see what God would reveal and what God would teach me and maybe where God would take me. I got really, really serious about growing and applying for six weeks. And then, God, I'm just going to ask you to change us. May we be that church when people talk about Cornerstone. They say that's that place where people live like Jesus Christ. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.